0: Hey, it's the Productize Podcast. My name is Brian Castle. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. And for those of you who really get a lot out of this podcast and would like to help others who are just like us find these conversations, I'd really appreciate it if you head over to iTunes, leave a five-star rating. It goes a long way to just helping out the show. So today, I've got a good one talking to John Doherty. He is running what I think is a really interesting angle on a consulting service. It's really more of a marketplace. Really, he runs Get Credo, where if you're a business and you need SEO services, he's kind of a matchmaker. It's like SEO agency matchmaking as a service, if you will. So John is a is a longtime professional SEO expert himself, but he doesn't actually offer the SEO work to his clients, he helps his clients better understand the process of hiring an SEO agency and he helps the agencies get matched up with better clients, well-vetted and just qualified every step of the way through. And he kind of facilitates that whole process from start to finish. So we talked all about actually making this two-sided marketplace work and how his consulting service kind of fits in into all the different sides of this thing. And it's just, I, you know, I just haven't really seen it attacked in this way before and it's just a really really interesting angle especially when we're talking about seo which can be such a black box you know it's such a cloudy area for anyone to understand you know how it works what is the work involved how do i buy this sort of service what do i need to measure who do i need to trust there are just so many questions and someone like john and and his service get credo really kind of fill that gap so yeah I, i was fascinated with this one Without further ado, here is my conversation with John Doherty from Get Credo. Enjoy. All right, I'm here with John Doherty. John, how's it going? Good, Brian. How you doing? Doing good. So yeah, great to uh, finally get you on the show here. I've had a couple of uh, you know SEO experts or people working in and around that space. I think you've been doing some pretty interesting things in SEO lately, and you've got kind of an interesting business model, which we'll get into. But yeah, before we really dive in, why don't you give us kind of like, you know, the elevator pitch, if you will, of what you're kind of focused on right now here in uh, 2018?
1: Yeah, for sure. So what I'm uh, focused on is my business, Credo, which basically I've managed to carve out an interesting niche for myself between the businesses that are looking to hire and agencies that are looking to bring on new clients. I basically realized a few years ago that there was a basically... Clients didn't know what they needed, and agencies needed help getting more clients and really more qualified clients coming across their plate. So this year, what I'm focused on is... So my business, and we can get into this uh, in a bit, my business has basically come from nothing a couple of years ago to, we did close to 400k in revenue last year, which is awesome. Um, and this year I'm really trying to systematize what I'm doing, hire people to do things that I've been doing that I shouldn't be doing in order to take the business to the next level. So I'm hiring a team. I'm really niching down on like what our specific offering is. And this has been about a year coming that I've been doing this as well, but you know it's made for a much better business and a much more sane business. And I'm you know happier overall. So to win across the board.
0: Yeah, interesting. So, we're talking about your your main business getcredo.com, C R E D O. We'll, we'll get everything linked up in the show notes, but what sticks out to me immediately is that this appears to be a marketplace. Do I understand that correctly? Like it's you're connecting SEO providers or SEO agencies with clients who need SEO work.
1: Basically, but it's it's a little different from a traditional marketplace. So a traditional marketplace is something like a, I mean the big ones everyone thinks about are like Upwork and Freelancer.com, and you know FreeUp is another one that's kind of up and coming. And that model works really well for kind of lower budget, not necessarily lower value, but lower budget specific things that are needed. So I need four blog posts a month and you know, kind of what audience hops is, right? Some of this like I need four blog posts a month and I can spend, I don't know what audience hops pricing is, but like I can spend $300 a month total on four pieces of content, right? And people are willing to just kind of like take a flyer and be like, yeah, sure, I'll hire these people, you know, for a couple of months and kind of see how it works.
0: And and at 300 a month, like, good luck with that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I I completely agree. But like with with Upwork and the other ones,
0: like those are also like the global marketplaces where you could hire basically anyone for any sort of skill.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And there are some actually in my space that are like like growth geeks is one that comes to mind that they're more like, you know, tap they're basically pitching this idea of like tap into the power of freelancers that you don't have to pay uh you know you don't have to pay like on an awesome hourly rate. You don't have to give them benefits. You don't have to provide them a desk and that sort of thing. And basically, like people have to build their own group of people. But what I really identified is that there is a need for people that can spend, you know, a couple thousand plus dollars a month, up to five figures a month, you know, with a good SEO agency or content marketing agency, Facebook ads agency, something like that. But a lot of them don't know exactly what they need. They don't have the strategy in place. They also don't know who to hire. And they're going in there, contacting 10, 15 agencies, hearing back from a couple. And then really, they're only hearing back from the ones that actually have bandwidth which maybe means that they're not as good as they say they are.
0: And not to mention all like something that I've been digging into quite a bit with previous guests on this podcast who are doing SEO is like SEO specifically is such a black box. Yes. And we all get the spam SEO pitches in our inboxes every day. We ignore those, but then it's like okay, well, who do we trust when it comes to SEO, right? Like
1: Exactly. And so so I've been able to build out this network of people that I know that they're good. I've seen a couple of their clients. I've, you know, I've vetted them out in that way. I also know that they're good people to deal with. I know that they're honest. Um, you know, basically, like, I'm willing to put my name, you know, my experience behind them and say, like, I trust these people. And then I also know the budgets they work with, the type of work they're really good at, right? So, you know, a local restaurant. You know, they don't necessarily know is this agency, but they're just doing their own research. Is this agency actually good at doing SEO for a local restaurant, right? Or a network of restaurants. Um, You know, they might contact someone that basically specializes in like e-commerce, right? And that person isn't going to get them the same return as someone that has done a lot of multi-location local SEO. So I know who's good at what and can basically help them cut through the noise down to the signal of these are the two people you should speak with. And basically, those are really the only two people you need to speak with. And one of them is going to be right for you. And
0: so how does it actually, well, who pays you basically out of the two sides of the marketplace and how does the model work?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So at this point, the model works that the agencies are the ones paying me. So I have a couple of different models or a couple of different revenue streams, I guess. One is uh, people can pay to be listed in my directory basically on an annual basis. Um, they're still vetted out uh, same amount as before. I just don't do phone calls with them to like talk about their sales process and all that stuff. And then I have a subset of agencies that pay me per month and then also pay me commission on all the work that they're billing that I've sent to them. So so that's like, that's obviously the more profitable side. I basically think of those as like my own customers or my own clients. I'm, you know, making direct personal introductions between them and a client that I vetted out that has approved their project and then having phone calls with them monthly, helping them basically close more work. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of an agency for marketing agencies in some ways. Right. So you think of your clients
0: as the agencies and you're helping them bring in leads basically. Exactly. Yeah. So um I'm, I mean, we're going to get into the backstory and how you came to this model and everything. And, but I'm just curious about how it works today. Like there's like the annual license fee to be in, like in the directory. Mm -hmm. And then you're, you're collecting fees or, or commissions on the actual projects. I'm just curious about like the mechanics of that. Like are you actually involved in the project, like the project pricing and contracts and fees between the client and the agency or? Or is it based on, like, trust? Like, after the agency
1: closes the deal, they send you the commission? Like, how does that work? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and it's actually one that I get quite a bit. So I'm not involved directly in, like, the negotiations and how much do they expect to pay and, you know, and that sort of thing. I do work with the, the clients or the person looking to hire an agency, you know, once they get proposals, then often I'll, you know, take a look at those as well and say, you know, they'll say, well, if this agency proposed me X, Y, and Z for this amount of budget per month. And this one proposed me these other things for a different amount. How do I make a decision, right? What's reasonable? Um, I also set their expectations on the front and what they should expect to pay, right? Good SEO is not cheap. And unfortunately the spam that you referenced makes people think that it can be done cheaply. Right. And so if they're being told, we'll do all your SEO for nine, nine dollars a month and someone comes and pitches them three thousand dollars a month, they're kind of like, whoa, like what's you know, what's going on there? Why should I pay this? So I do help out in that way. And so that does help the agencies close better work or close more work
0: because you're helping to like educate the client on the value.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So I'm that initial contact like they're, you know, the agency doesn't happen to go through like, are your expectations even set? Like how much something's going to cost? You know, are your someone comes in saying like, I need, you know, content marketing done, but like their site is completely broken. They don't need content marketing done. They need technical SEO before content marketing is actually going to do anything for them. Right. So I, I take care of that for the agency, basically. And when the person is handed off, they have a much better idea about what they need and kind of the strategy for, you know, get an audit done and then go into these other channels does that make sense
0: yeah i think it does i guess maybe the i'm sure you've heard this question before but like what about like the conflict of interest do people have concerns with that like if you have all these different agencies in your marketplace and you're advising clients on choosing one agency over another how do they know that or what helps them get their agency picked over the other one and is it even worth it to be in there like how do you kind of answer those questions? I'm curious.
1: Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. So I'm not actually telling a client you should sign with this one, you know, over this other one. You know, I, I can think of like two or three times total in the last three years I've been running this business that I'm like, actually, like, this is the right person for you. Got it. So basically what I'm doing is I'm educating them. I'm kind of, I'm trying to give them the bigger picture of, you know, if you go with this agency, you're going to get this. If you go with this one, you're going to get this. And then they're, they're making the decision about rights for their business. So I'm not, you know, pointing them in a specific direction. And then the way I basically don't get cut out is once again, these, the agencies I'm working with that I'm sending work to, they're my clients, right? So I'm sending them work and then I'm also catching up with them monthly, going over all the projects that have been done or that, you know, that I've sent them. So whether they're closed or lost or, you know, or whatever, but remember, I also have the client relationship. So if an agency tells me, and this has literally happened only one time in the last three years, and I've seen 1500 plus businesses and 14, $15 million in digital marketing work come through my platform in the last three years. If someone tells me that they stopped working with a specific client, I reach out to the client and see how it went. Right. And so the client's also going to tell me, you know, Uh, like I had one point where a consultant was like, yeah, we finished up our project and I contacted the client and was like, Hey, how was it working with so-and-so? And And they're like, what are you talking about? We stopped working with them. We just paid him a thousand dollars yesterday. But that's literally the only time that that has happened. And I also wasn't running the business in the same way. It was basically more of a marketplace project would come in, it would get sent out to people. They could try to close it. And I wasn't involved at all in the process once the introduction was made. And also if the agency stopped, if they cut me out of a deal, they're off of my platform and I'm going to stop sending them 20 to $30,000 of new potential work every month. So it's not worth it to save, you know, a hundred dollars in commissions or something like that. Yeah. That's
0: interesting. I, I haven't seen, th- there've have been a, a select few of these like marketplace, these like a uh, high touch marketplace models, if you will. Um, it's been interesting to see some of them pop up and like all ma- marketplaces, like it's two sides. So, so I'm curious about how you do, how you market to both the clients and to the agencies, and and manage both sides of that. So we're going to get into all that. Why don't we Why don't we go back? Where did you come from? What were you uh, setting out to do when you were younger? Were you thinking about Google search
1: algorithms when you were in high school and stuff? <laughs> definitely, definitely not. So I actually wanted to go to. I was born and raised in Virginia, um, and wanted to go to university to do basically video production. So I was uh, raised in Harrisonburg and James Madison University is there. Um, Decided to go there because they had, it was called like, it was called SMAD, School of Media Arts and Design is is what it was called. And basically they had a focus on video production. Oh, cool. I almost went there. I, I remember I applied there. I didn't go there. Really? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it was a great school. I graduated from there in 2007, but I went, my dad actually just retired from there, but you know, I went and lived on campus and all that, but. I actually didn't get into this MAD program. I was going through like their 101 that you had to go through. It was 8 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, Friday on the opposite side of campus from me. And If you missed more than two classes, you failed. Um, so I was like, I was in it. I had like a, I had an A- going into midterms and like into, you know, right before spring break. And then they had this like dumb test that you had to take. I was completely opaque. You had no idea how you actually did. And then you found out during spring break whether you got in or not. And I didn't, so I basically just like gave up on the class. I think I ended up getting like a D or something in it. Cause I was like, I don't care about this anymore. And uh, ended up finding a degree that was basically like technical writing and web development. Um, I've been a writer for a long time. I started blogging in high school. And so basically this like played to my like loving to be a writer. And then also like my technical like structured brain. So I was trained as a web developer and then kind of fell into SEO because I had an internship as a web developer at a software company. I was rebuilding their website and basically had to think about, you know, about search. I was rebuilding it on Joomla, uh, started building some other websites and basically like with my web developer background was like, oh, search engine filling URLs, that makes sense. Internal linking, that makes sense. Oh, content marketing to earn, you know, links back to your site to help you rank better. That makes sense. So yeah, it kind of all just like fell in together and I started doing it full time in 2010. So 2010, you were doing it full time, like as like a freelance consultant doing SEO, primarily SEO work? No. So I, I got a job. Um, well, I helped run a company from Switzerland for about a year, a book publishing company that based in French speaking Switzerland and publishing English language books. And so basically had to use the internet to get audience and to make sales. Um, so that really like got me deeper into it, got a job full time at an agency in Philadelphia in 2010 when I moved back to the States. So that was kind of my first like deep foray into it and just quickly fell in love with the, uh, not so much like the link building side, but more the like technical side and then like the amplification or the the, like content based side to drive more traffic? You
0: know, even for someone like
1: me, I come from a pretty similar background, web development, web design,
0: you know, HTML, CSS, building websites. I know the mechanics of how something works on the web. I also know a lot of like the general principles of, of SEO and stuff, but like to me, it's still unclear to me what does the work of an SEO professional look like? Like what are you doing all day, every day. Like, what does that job look like?
1: Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. Honestly, I wondered that for a long time as well, <laughs> and I, I didn't really like fully understand it. I went in house for a few years, worked for Zillow Group and ran marketing and SEO on a couple of their uh, sub brands. Never worked directly on Zillow.com, but like the the real estate, like that, yeah, yeah the, the real estate company. So ran uh, marketing and growth on a couple of their smaller brands. Um, basically, what an SEO does all day. So an in house SEO is doing a lot of uh, they're doing a lot of meetings because basically they have to get buy-in across the organization. Because SEO involves the marketing team, content writing. It involves the development team getting technical things fixed. It involves like the PR team, you know, actually getting links from like the coverage that you're getting. It involves the finance team because you have to get budget to get these changes done. It involves the analytics team because you actually have to measure what the work that you're doing is getting done. Right. So it's it's a lot of the same things as like another you know, uh, like an email marketer will do, for example. But then there's there's a lot of auditing. There's a lot of keyword research, right? What content should we be creating? And then there's a lot of, okay, how do we actually get the links to our specific pages so we can rank for the keywords that are going to bring us customers? Um, so there's a lot of strategizing there as well.
0: To me, that what what I've always had a hard time wrapping my head around in terms of like offering that as a service or even just doing that job at a company, at being an SEO, compared to being, say, a web designer, a web developer, as a web developer, I know, okay, here's the project. Here's the goal. Here's what the end result needs to look like. Now let's build it. Let's build the framework. Let's do the wireframes. Let's do the design. Let's do the HTML, CSS, the CMS. Like Get it all in place. Launch it. We're done. But with SEO, it seems like, okay, you can like audit a website. We've got to change these structural issues. And then we're going to need some links. So we're going to need to throw out a couple of emails and try to get some links back. And I think we might need some content created to cover these sorts of keywords. So yep. let's try to get those maybe done at some point. Like It just seems like there's a lot of balls in the air that you can't necessarily say, I'm gonna
1: work on this and I'm gonna finish it by Friday. Like Yeah, totally. No, it's it, you're 100% right. I mean, the work of an SEO is never done. In the SEO world, we call that job security because there's always more to be done. One of the challenges I would say, Brian, is that there is so much that could be done, that a lot of people kind of, a lot of SEOs don't ever actually focus on one specific thing. So I, I spend a lot of my time basically convincing businesses that they need to think about the strategy before they start doing things. Right. You know, So think about, okay, what's the opportunity here? So an SEO, a good SEO should be able to tell their business they're working on to, or the client, this is what the opportunity is. And then this is how we go after it, right? We're going to do a technical audit. We do a content audit, what you already have. We do a keyword research audit of what you you know, uh, to discover new terms that we could rank for, then we're gonna develop the content, then we're also gonna figure out the content that people are gonna wanna link to, and then we figure out how to get them to link to it. Yeah, so there's there's a lot going on and you can be very strategic about it, but you know, you, like you said, you do like a technical audit and there's all these things that need to be changed. You need to change URLs, right? Um, you need to develop new content, you need to launch new pages. Who's going to do that, right? Do the developers actually see it as being like useful? Can you actually get the engineering manager or whoever to actually prioritize it, right? That stuff is really, really hard within SEO. So yeah, there's a lot of that going into it and it is just a constant like, uh, and, and then things break, right? A product team rolls out something that like you didn't know was going to roll out, right? And it's like completely broken from an SEO perspective and it screws up rankings on the rest of your site. So you have to jump in and fix that, right? And developers to go back and redo things. So yeah, it's a it's a never ending like, hamster wheel sometimes, it feels like, which is part of why I don't just do SEO full time anymore. Like it, it kind of burned me out a, quite a bit. And
0: then not to mention year after year, the rules change. Yeah, totally. The
1: algorithm that Google comes out with updates. and. Yep. Amazing. Which is also job security. But yeah, once again, it's just like, you could do this all the time and a lot of SEOs do. You know, they're just constantly reading new things and testing new things and all that. And I think a good SEO is constantly reading things and testing things. But yeah, at some point, you have to have that like balance in your life, you know?
0: So, okay, so you were doing this full time for the Zillow group and for the book publisher. Where did you go from there?
1: So, in, there are a couple steps in between there. I worked for the agency in Philly for about eight, nine months and then moved to an agency in New York called Distilled. Um, where I got a ton of awesome experience worked with a lot of really cool clients you know some of the some really cool like seed stage and and series A tech startups all the way up to one of the the biggest hotel chains in the world was my biggest client for about 18 months so I got like I got a lot of experience there kind of got burned out on working at an agency Um, it's just you know Long hours and clients don't get things done. It gets pretty frustrating. I was like, I actually want to go make a, an impact somewhere. So I went in house to Zillow, built a team at HotPads.com, then moved over to Truly Rentals for a few months, and that, that was great. I got a ton of experience, you know, learned a lot, was humbled a lot. It was probably the two toughest like years of my of my career working for someone else, but also like learned a lot of great things. What was so tough about it? Uh, it's hard there were some like internal political things that were difficult to deal with. But the biggest challenge was I was the first marketer on hot pads in about two and a half years. They had a lot of like engineers and it was, it was a company that had been acquired about a year previously. Their traffic had gone down and then they were, you know, kind of being pressured to grow. And so I was hired and built out a marketing team and just like, it was cultural change was were the hardest the hardest things. So you know we did a lot of awesome work. We replatformed the email uh, transactional and and marketing emails. Did a ton of stuff on SEO. Got a content marketing program and an outreach program started. Hired a data scientist. Like did a lot of awesome things. It was just like a year, a couple years of like really quick growth. We tripled the size of the company in about 18 months. And my team went from myself to eight people in about 12 months. And I had just gotten married and gotten a dog and moved to San Francisco and all these things. So it was a combination of like personal and professional stuff. But I mean, at the end of the day, like it was a really good experience. Like I'm really glad I went through it because it gave me a lot of empathy for in-house people as well. And kind of the challenges that like an in-house marketer goes through trying to get buy-in to do all these different things they need to do to actually move the business forward to pay for the very expensive developers and, you know, all of that that's going on. Because if you don't have an audience, you can't pay for that. So, so where'd you go from there? Uh, then I got laid off. Um, and that's why I started my company. I got laid off September, 2015 and got laid off on a Monday. I'd just gotten back from vacation. Um, and got laid off the next day and was like, you know what? I told my wife that night she's like, well, what are you going to do? I was like, I think I'm going to start my own company because I had started this business credo in its first incarnation when I was working at the agency in New York. And so it was kind of a side project that I hadn't done much with and was like, this could be more. And so I basically gave myself a few months had a few months of financial runway. I was like, I'm gonna give myself a couple months to pick up some consulting to cover my bills and then get this, you know, software and lead gen company going. Can I ask about that? Because yeah, you know, obviously
0: getting laid off is never fun. Nope. <laughs> so I'm I'm kind of curious. Whatever you want to share, but I'm kind of curious about how that came about. But also, you know, because most of the people that I talk to who end up going out on their own and starting their own thing it's kind of planned in advance. It doesn't happen suddenly. Like, did you see this coming and, and how did you? Yeah. I'm just curious about that immediate transition.
1: Yeah. Um, in hindsight, I did see it coming and I wasn't super happy at my job anyways, but I was, you know, I was focused on building my team and taking care of my team and doing my job. And, you know, was kind of starting to think about what might be next, but wasn't like ready to pull the trigger on anything. And so, yeah, I didn't really have like much of a safety net other than like my wife had a good job and made a good salary. And, you know, I got laid off on Monday, was on her health care on Tuesday and that sort of thing. And the Zillow exec team was very good to me and gave me some really good severance. Um, So I didn't really have to worry about money for like three to four months. But basically, like, I'm very fortunate in that.
0: Like in some ways, that's actually a pretty good opportunity to start your own thing. Because so I know so many people, you know, who like, oh, someday I'm going to quit the job and go on on my own. And they gradually think about, or they just, they never pull the trigger or, you know, and then having healthcare coverage prevents people from leaving and, and all these sorts of things. So, yeah. And it kind of, kind of makes the decision for you.
1: Yeah. All these things kind of fell into line and yeah, I'm very fortunate that I have a great group of uh, like colleagues in the SEO industry. And so I got laid off on Monday and basically told a group of my friends on Tuesday that I had gotten laid off and then like put out just a quick like announcement on Twitter that I was no longer you know there and was looking to take on a couple of clients. So that was Tuesday, and by Thursday I had to stop accepting calls because I had so many people wanting to work with me. It was incredible.
0: Who was like reaching out to you for work, and what were like the first few freelance clients?
1: Yeah, so I had um, I had a lot of agencies basically wanting to white label work to me, but you know I lived in San Francisco and San Francisco is a super expensive city, so you know they were charging like 150 an hour. So they could only pay someone like 75 an hour, and I was like, I'm gonna build myself out again, like just, like this whole like SEO
0: gray cloud <laughs> thing. I I, yeah. I still have a hard time with it. Like so, these agencies have clients who they like. Did they already have like pre existing retainers with clients who are just like, hey, you're an agency. We need marketing help. We don't know what we need, but here's a bunch of money. You figure it out, and then these agencies go hire SEO experts. Is
1: that? There, there are a few different models. I'm probably oversimplifying it, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but some of them do work that way, and yeah. the good ones are uh, transparent with their clients that, like, hey, you know, we're doing all this stuff for you, but like, we don't have a great technical SEO on staff, and so they're going to find a consultant who is good at technical SEO that will basically do an audit for their client, that sort of thing.
0: I guess what I'm asking is because, you know, at, with audience ops, we do content like blog content as, as a service, and we mostly work with the end clients themselves. But a small chunk of our client base are these agency resellers, right? They're having us do the content for their clients. But what I found with those, and they're they're great, but I did find that the sales process, like an agency would come to me and learn about audience ops, and then they'll, they'll say, OK, this sounds great. I'll let you know when I have a client who's signed up and ready to go. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes that never happens, and, and but other times that they come back maybe a month or two, three months later. Like so, just a very slow sales process to get them to bring clients who are ready for that sort of work. So, how do agencies like snap up someone like you to get something going very quickly?
1: Well, they they have trouble snapping up someone like me because I'm too expensive for them. But the way they do it is basically they have a Yeah, they have a client that they're doing like, you know, the client basically has them on retainer to grow their audience, right? Basically, however they need to do it to grow their audience. Sometimes they've hired them for a specific thing like SEO and content marketing. Sometimes it's, you know, they're doing, they're running ads for them or something like that. But, you know, like I was saying things and you were saying things are constantly changing, right? So maybe they have a client that all of a sudden, like a Google algorithm change happens and their client loses 50% of their traffic overnight. And the agency doesn't have people on board that can actually dig in and get that stuff done. So they'll outsource that audit using the retainer they're being paid by the client to get it done. Sometimes the agency will pay for it. Sometimes the client will pay for it. So if the agency is paying for it, they'll just hire they'll they'll just hire the consultant and get it done. Sometimes they'll present the work as themselves. Sometimes they won't. Often the consultant is just like doing the work, doing the services, passing it back to the client, and the client's account manager is running with it. But then sometimes they'll be like, you should tell their client, you should hire this person, right? This consultant to do this audit for you, which is a much harder sales process, which you were just like talking about, right? Cause they're like, wait, but what are we paying you for? So, you know, I have a lot of consultants coming to me that are basically acting as like an interim VP of marketing that they're then wanting to hire like an SEO agency to help their client grow their, you know, their organic traffic. And basically I don't help those consultants out unless they've they already have buy-in from their client to go and hire an SEO agency. Because as you said, it's a long sales cycle and often they'll go back and the client's like, No, we're not gonna pay another like three thousand dollars a month like for you to hire an SEO agency. We're paying you to do SEO for us. Right. So yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird, weird world. It's interesting. Cause
0: I, I still think like it's like, you know, getting a website done or built is is a pretty uh, solidified model. Like people understand what they're buying and how to buy it. And still all marketing services, whether it's content or SEO or ads or just like um you know, full service marketing from an agency, like it's still a kind of a mystical black box that like the, you know, the client just doesn't really get it.
1: It's true. And, and you know, this, I think is also why a lot of like, startups have trouble hiring marketers, because they don't know how to, they don't know how to measure it. They don't know how to like, keep them accountable. They're like, what are you going to be doing every day? Right? Kind of your question, like, okay, we hired this like marketing person, what are they going to be doing every day? They don't understand that like they have to interface with engineering and product and, you know, all these other uh, finance and like all these other areas, you know, and, uh, like an engineering exec doesn't understand branding. Right. They're like, why are we spending all this money? Like it's just colors. Like can't you just throw some colors up there that look good? Right. Like I know my wife's a designer. So she gets frustrated by that sort of thing. You know, as a marketer, I get frustrated by that sort of thing. So, yeah. So, so I mean, I think this is a challenge in the SEO world or in the digital marketing world overall is understanding what clients are buying from you. Yeah, And this is why I tell people, why I tell a lot of clients, and a lot of agencies, I'm like, start off, especially if they don't have a strategy, start off with that strategy. What's your opportunity, right? Do a technical audit, do some keyword research, you know, do some competitor research. What are your competitors doing? How are they beating you? What are the keywords you should be ranking for that you have content for that you shouldn't be, you know, all those sorts of things. Understand where you could go and then work with the agency to put together that strategy for where you need to go from there. So I, I think that's where a lot of people like have to start to understand the bigger picture of, you know, these are all the things that you need to do in order to, you know, grow your business to where it needs to go. And it should all map back to your business's revenue, right? Can't tie it back to links, you can't tie it back to traffic necessarily. But you have to understand what does that traffic mean for conversions? And what does that ultimately mean for revenue? Yeah, which most marketers don't go that deep. So I, I try to like point people in that way. And I try to like I feel like I'm on a crusade to like make marketers grow up as business people.
0: Yeah. Make it work for the bottom line.
1: There are a lot of SEOs that don't have a business degree. They've never taken a business class. I've never taken a business class. I've kind of learned all this through blood, sweat and tears. And, but now I'm going to go back and, you know, take some business classes. I'm not going to get an MBA, but I'm going to take some business classes just to understand a bit deeper, you know, how do businesses work and how can I help my clients be more successful?
0: Well, so when you, when you left Zillow Group and you went out on your own, okay, you got some freelance contracts going, but you mentioned that you had the concept for Credo at that point. Is that right? Yep. Like that this would be a marketplace. You, you weren't intending to just offer SEO services yourself or build your own agency or anything like that.
1: No, I actually have a blog post out there called Why I'm Not Building a Marketing Agency because all my friends told me that I should. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. Yeah, because you've had the experience of working at one. Yeah. You didn't want to. Yeah, exactly. And I do enjoy working with clients, but like, the agency model is is a really tough model with super low margin. So that's just not the kind of business I wanted to build. So yeah, I uh, picked up a couple of consulting clients, which would uh, basically gave me another like extended my financial runway from like three months to about nine months. So went hard down in consulting for a few months and just started like working on at the time, my business was called Gun, And uh, so started working on that site that I had up, um, which was just like, Pretty broken, just from a like code perspective, technically, and so I basically just like cleaned a lot of that up. Did a launch um, on Product Hunt mid November,
0: but the basic idea for that first version of it was it was a marketplace, it, same as Get Credo, like yeah, specifically Get SEO Experts. Yep, and who who were you launching to? Like, so you already had a network of other SEO providers, and you were launching to Get Clients.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I I basically had like my business literally started on a Google sheet of people that I knew that did good work and I basically gathered some data points on them. And then when I launched it in November of that year, I basically rolled out public profiles, like rolled out the public directory. And then also, yeah, so basically to get like more eyeballs on it and to like, hey, this is what we're doing. We're helping people hire, you know, the right people and you know going a different direction from people that just list anyone, right? It's a vetted group of digital marketing providers. So yeah, it started there and So that was November of 2015. The next May, I rolled out, um, I called it Credo Pro. So basically there, and I still call it Credo Pro, basically is that it's how the agencies and consultants pay to be listed right after they're vetted out.
0: So the first version, those first few months, it was all free. Everybody was getting in for free?
1: It was invite only. So I was inviting people that I knew and trusted to be listed and for me to send projects that I had coming to me. And then they were paying me a commission on work that they closed. Okay,
0: I see. So early on, it was just the commissions, and then May of 2016, yep, you launched the Pro, which is like the paid directory.
1: Exactly, and it was actually it was actually a marketplace at that point. A project would come in, I would set it live on the site, and basically, would I had a custom like full custom email system that would email agencies and consultants that were on the site. They could come back, they could come to the site, contact them, try to you know get the client to respond to them, close them into a client. As we were saying at the beginning, that doesn't work for high value projects. Oh, so they're,
0: they're actually emailing each other? They were. Through your system that it kind of like obscures their actual email address, kind of like Upwork and all,
1: and all that? Exactly, yeah. So they were doing that, but those projects just didn't close. And what I realized was that people that are looking to spend multi thousands of dollars a month, it needs a higher touch, right? They need to, like, a lot of them, they're like, I have good money to spend on this, but I don't know what direction to go. I'm not an SEO, right? I'm not a, Facebook ads person, that sort of thing. They don't even know the strategy that they need to start off with or the questions to ask. So I realized that's the value that I could add there. Having my experience, I could actually like take them through those, you know, questions and help them define what do they actually need? What are they actually looking for? As opposed to like, I need links, right? That sort of thing. So flipping it on its head. So like that whole system
0: with the email and the and the whole platform, like did you build that custom or did you use like a, a system off the shelf or how did that work?
1: It was built custom. So I kind of tied together some systems within WordPress, Gravity Forms, Gravity View, and then had a developer that basically built out the whole like email system for me. So it was kind of tying together a bunch of stuff. It was super complicated, never quite worked the way I wanted it to. It was kind of a pain. And I was really glad to do away with it last year when I was basically like, I'm going to double down on my best agency customers and send them the bulk of the work and then separate out the, you know, like the annual subscribers are basically paying for like, to get in front of the audience that I have, but like, I'm not going to directly introduce them to new clients. So how does it work when a client comes in and they have a need? Like, do you just
0: pick and choose like two or three agencies to present to them? Or is it like a round robin? Like, or does it, does an email blast go out to everyone? Like how do they actually get connected?
1: Yeah. So the way it works these days is the client comes in and depending on, where they're located, um, what their budget is, the services they need, that sort of thing. Um, if it's a higher budget client, they're taken directly to schedule a phone call with me, and we hop on the phone and talk for about 20 minutes about what you know, who they are, what they need, those sorts of things. If it's a lower budget client um, and they're in that we have like six or seven different countries that I can really serve that my agencies will serve. Um, So then they create their project like fully on the platform. I basically decide like, are we going to be able to help them or not? Because some lower budget ones we can, others we can't depending on what they need. And uh, and then once they're outside of kind of the service area that we, can serve i send them i partnered with a, a freelancer marketplace to send them over there to find someone but so i speak to a client put together their project description they approve it on my system and then i email the agencies on their behalf and say hey would you like an introduction to this client you know here's who they are here's what they need here's what their budget is that sort of thing they accept the introduction and then i make the email introduction between the two of them um you know this is all templated so it's it's literally like copy paste like two clicks and okay this client accepted their project description agency accepted the introduction click click boom introduction sent so you know there's not like manual work there
0: now the client you said is not paying for access to your marketplace or your or your service and and educating them and is, is that right not right now yeah not right now. <laughs> so so do you do any sort of like uh, qualification or like, even if they're qualified, like they have the budget and everything, like how do you know, or I guess you don't know that, that they will
1: eventually close a deal? The client looking to hire? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I have a pretty good spider sense about it now, whether they're going to or not. And I, I try to set my agency's expectations that like, you know, this person's kind of window shopping um, or they're just looking to get quotes or they don't have buy-in yet or you know, that kind of thing. So there are some that I'm like, look, I think you're like too early stage. You know, your budget's not going to work, that sort of thing. Honestly, there are some people that I'm like, I don't think anyone should take you on as a client because you'd be an awful client. Like they're too, you know, needy or something like that. And so I actually won't refer them out either. You know, and my agencies are okay with that because they don't want me to send them bad clients. They want me to send them good clients, right? So I save them from the bad clients. Yeah. But yeah, so when I was running it as a marketplace, basically 5-ish percent of clients I that actually like we're introduced to agencies, we're closing into projects. Now that's 20 to 25%, which is actually above industry average for this sort of business. Wow! So I feel pretty good about that industry average is about 15, 12 to 15. And mine's 20 to 25, because I stay, it's, as I said, white glove, high touch, I stay involved in the process, how are conversations going? What questions do you have? You know, that kind of thing, it kind of just like pokes them, pokes them along.
0: So the difference that brought you from the 5% up to the 25% close rate, like it's it's just
1: adding that high touch, the communication facilitated mm-hmm. the, the deal. Is the vetting out of projects on the front end? Absolutely. Huh.
0: And like, how, how much, what does that work look like overall? Like how many phone calls is it for you? How many different emails and back and forths and how many weeks go by from a lead to a close? Like, what does that
1: look like? So in terms of like number of calls that I'm doing per week, I'm talking with to anywhere from I would say 10 to 15 to 20. I mean for a single client. Yeah, oh, for a single client. yeah. So one phone call on the front end. You know, who are you? What do you need? Um, you know, what's your budget? That sort of thing. If they do need deeper consulting, I do have basically a product. It's like 250 bucks for an hour of my time to go deeper on their strategy and kind of what they need. They do get a lot of that in that initial phone call, honestly, like the 20 to 30 minute phone call. But uh, yeah, so it's, it's that initial phone call and then you know a couple emails to get their project description. Agreed to to get like the scope agreed to. And then it's basically just follow up emails from there. Every now and then I'll hop back on another phone call, but basically for each client, it's one phone call and then probably 10 to 12 emails total.
0: Got it. So, how about on the agency side? Like, I'm curious about um, do you find that agencies need this help in facilitating deals and clients to come through and the follow up? And like, are agencies just not interested in doing the whole sales process and that's the value that they see in, in what you're doing? Like, and maybe like, Are there tips or gaps that you're noticing that a lot of marketing
1: agencies, SEO agencies or consultants are just not doing enough to close enough clients? Yeah, absolutely. So the value that I bring to the agencies I'm working with is, you know, I'm I'm not bringing them 50 new clients a month, right? I'm introducing them to like four to six to eight a month, um, but they're all super highly qualified. Um, And it's those direct introductions. So, you know, it's not a a tire kicker. It's not someone that needs local SEO and this agency only does e-commerce SEO sort of thing. So they know that it's like their ideal client with the budget that they need. So they waste a lot less time upfront vetting. I've taken care of that. And then I can help keep the client involved. A lot of agencies have trouble with the potential clients that contact them ghosting, right? Never getting back to them, never scheduling a phone call, never responding to the proposals. So I'm kind of able to, to keep the clients moving along and doing you know, consistent follow-ups, which helps them close a higher percentage of Clients that they're being introduced to, so 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 that's what they really see as being valuable there. And then also on our monthly calls, I have a half hour to an hour call with every agency that I send work to every month, and we're talking more about like you know their sales process. Oh, and I can identify that like oh, half of the clients I sent you ghosted after you sent a proposal to them. They got in touch, but after you sent the proposal, you never heard from them again. What's going on with your process there? How can we change that, right? How can we rejigger that to you know get them to schedule a phone call before you send the proposal? you know, or have a phone call to go over the proposal before they even see it, right? So they're not getting sticker shock, right? Are you anchoring them to what they should be expecting to pay? All that sort of stuff. So I actually do some consulting with the agencies on that side. And are you like helping them with the actual
0: proposal? And like, do they have like a standard system for sending proposals? Or is that like on each agency does it their own way?
1: Each agency does it their own way, which is part of the challenge there. I'm not helping them put together the proposals simply because every agency does it their own way. And it's not, like, scalable at all for me to help all of them out with, like, putting yeah. together proposals for all these different clients that have different needs and different teams in place and all that stuff. Right. So, yeah, there's no, like, standardized, this is how much an agency costs or how much you should expect to pay. There are ballparks. And if someone's egregiously out of that or under that, like, it's a red flag. But, and a lot of it, Brian, comes down to, I mean, I, I try to take off the, off the table, can they do the work? Right? Have they worked with clients like this before? Are their budgets reasonable? Are they good people to work with? But then a lot of times it's how well does the client get along with the agency, right? There's that qualitative part there that's hard to like. You can't really put like a value against that. But as I've worked with my agencies for longer, some of some of these agencies I've worked with for about two and a half, almost three years now, so I know who they're going to gel with. I know who's going to close with them. Um, you know, and there'll be maybe a, a client will come in that I'm like, this is a great project for agency A. But like the point of contact and the the salesperson or like the person actually doing the work, they're not going to get along. Like I have that spidey sense now, and so I'm able to you know get them to the people that I know they're actually going to gel with, that they're going to work together well with, which is which is hard to do.
0: I'm sure it is. It's an interesting like consulting service. Like I haven't really seen someone really offer that level of detail when it comes to the sales process and the vetting and the facilitation as a service. And there's clearly value there, especially you know, like I said, the whole theme here, like nobody knows what is SEO and having an expert put the pieces together for them, you know, make a lot of sense. So, I mean, at the start of this interview, you mentioned like this year, you're looking to grow, like, are you working with other people on your team? Now you're looking to kind of delegate, like, what are you thinking in in terms of that side of things?
1: Yeah, good question. So I have, um, I have a freelance WordPress developer who's based in Ohio. I'm based in Denver that he's been working with me for about 18 months and kind of building out a bunch of new, you know, features and that sort of stuff. You know, I'm, I'm a decent front end web developer, but he can just get stuff done a lot faster than I can. So I'm happy to pay him to do it. And then I have a, uh, an assistant. She's like ops and, you know, that sort of stuff. So she kind of takes a lot of like the scheduling and some like follow ups with people and that sort of stuff off my plate. She also helps me out in my personal life. Like I just bought a house. My wife and I just bought a house. And so she set up like a bunch of phone calls for me this afternoon with potential moving companies and getting the Internet like hooked up at her new house. Right, so like she takes that stuff off, so I can focus on the business.
0: Get all the stuff that you don't need to do. Yeah.
1: Right. Exactly. But she, uh, we're also going to be increasing our engagement to. Um, she's done like a lot of customer support and kind of like sales development stuff before. So I'm basically going to be training her on like queuing up because I, I have a, you know, I'm a marketer, right? So I have a lot of content out there. I have a lot of content upgrades like that sort of stuff. You know, I'm getting. 60, 70, 80 new email subscribers a week, some weeks more. Um, and some of those are really highly qualified because they viewed category pages and they've downloaded this piece of content about hiring a, a marketing agency, right? Like they're looking to hire, they just haven't submitted my form yet, right? So she'll do kind of those pre-calls to basically like vet out, you know, are they actually looking for this? Where are they in their stage? And then queuing up those phone calls for me. So I'm not having to do a lot of that like upfront, do I think that they could be good sort of stuff. You know, it is, it is a tough business to scale um, simply because, like, I'm the one that has all that knowledge, right? But there are things that can be done up front to basically, like, qualify in or out people that can be a bit more systematized before they even get on the phone with me. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. So that's what I'm trying to do this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen a lot of people, you know, work through that step of, like, okay, I'm the expert or I'm the consultant that clients trust to, you know, clients come to this company And they're getting my methodology, but it's not necessarily me on the phone with them. Like somebody else on the team can do that.
1: Well, and you're kind of, you're kind of the king of that. Like you with your different, like productized services and, (laughs) you know, that sort of thing. Like you're the guy that's figured out how to like scale that stuff. I think I have a lot to learn from you in that
0: way. Well, you know, yes and no. Sometimes I think with like audience ops, I still do. There were times when I wasn't doing the sales calls, but now I'm doing them again. But what I have done and it might work and maybe you do some of this already, but, um, when a new lead comes into Audience Ops, they fill out the form, then they book on my calendar. But before I actually get on a call with them, they see a 10 minute video. Oh, nice. Which is basically the sales deck that I went through. I used to go one on one with every sales call, I would give them this sales demo. Now it's all recorded. They see it all first, and then we get on a call, and, and basically all their questions are already answered. They just kind of want to meet and finalize it. Yeah.
1: Interesting. I was literally thinking about doing this morning. Was thinking about doing that. Yeah. About like, because I, I have these like consistent questions that I get asked, you know, every single time. How does Credo work? What's it going to cost me? How are people vetted? All this sort of stuff that I was like, man, I should just, yeah, record a like three minute video that once they submit the form, they have to watch that before they're able to schedule a phone call with me. Because people aren't going to read a wall of text, but they'll watch a video.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I thought about putting something like this because it it's really all hooked up into a whole flow that that really works well, and I get a lot of good feedback on it from clients, like as they go through the process. And I, I mean, I laid it out all in the productized course, but I've thought about putting it into like a, a standalone product. But it it works really well because what happens is like this was a sales deck that I used to do live one on one with every lead, and I mean, I got good at it because I did it like hundreds of times. But yeah. I still have like good days and bad days. I, I Sometimes I'd be tired. Sometimes I'd just not be focused or whatever. And like, whereas if you do it as a recording, you totally optimize it. They see that and then they'll meet you later, you know? Right. That's yeah, interesting.
1: Yeah, it's, but you bring up a good point that it's hard when you're the expert. It's hard to, even just like as the expert, to be okay with something not being done ideally, like you would do it necessarily. And like, I guess if you're recording a video, then, you know, that's one thing because it is still you doing it. But like if I wanted to do like, you know, pre-sales calls or something like that, then, you know, some whoever I hire to do it is going to do it differently than I will. Well, what Credo does, though, is you're still handing off the work to another agency. Uh, you're trusting them, you know, to deliver. Totally. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's multiple layers. You know, every business has its problems and its challenges. So, yeah, but, you know, it works enough. I believe that is that, that is what building a business
0: is. You're solving problem after problem after problem. That's all it is. Yeah, totally. Cool. Yeah, John, this was this is really interesting. Um uh, like I said, I'm fascinated with the whole model and what you're doing with it. I think you've cracked a an angle of of this whole SEO thing that I haven't really seen it cracked this way before, so it's really cool. Cool. Thank you. So we'll get all we'll get all these things linked up in the show notes. Of course, it's it's getcredo.com and and you've got a personal site at, at johnfdoherty.com. Yep. Yeah. Where else can, can people kind of connect with you?
1: Uh, Best place to get in touch with me actually is on Twitter. Um, I'm at Doherty JF. So it's my last name, D-O-H-E-R-T-Y-J-F. And yeah, that's the best place to get in touch with me. I'm on there a lot and direct messages are open. So feel free to slide in there and leave me, you know, leave me a message. Awesome. So yeah, that's, that's the best place to find me. Thanks for having me on, Brian. I appreciate it. This is, This is fun. It's always good to talk through the things that are in your head and then actually explain it and be like, wait, that doesn't actually make sense. I'm going to go change my
0: business now. So I appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah, happens to me all the time. Cool.
1: Yep. All right. Thanks, John. Thanks, Brian.
0: All right. Now, before we wrap up, let me ask you, what do you think of this one? Was it good? You learned something? Are there any other topics you'd like to hear me cover on this pod? Well, let me know. No, I mean, really, like, let me know. Hit reply on any of the emails that I sent you. I'll read every single one. I try to reply to everyone. What's that? Oh, you're not on my list yet. Okay, well, head over to my site, productizedpodcast.com. You can get on my email newsletter that way. I'll send you, you know, new episodes and all the show notes, but I'll also send you my newsletter where I share all sorts of articles and other insights on entrepreneurship, building products, productized services, software, SaaS and other cool stuff there. So yeah, check that out over at productizedpodcast.com. And of course, if you have a minute, I'd really appreciate if you could head over to iTunes, leave a five star review, or at least just five stars, you don't even have to leave a review if you don't want to. But that would really go a long way to helping other folks like us find this podcast. So yeah, thanks a lot for tuning in. I'll talk to you on the next one.